All right, Justin, sing me a song about being a philanderer who's addicted to gambling. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's like an old country music song about that. You know, and just like some low life who's addicted to gambling and always cheating on his wife and she's finally leaving him or something. <laughs> or you could have at least sang that, what, that Kenny Rogers song, The Gambler. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no one to hold him. Yeah, no one to fold him. Oh, you yeah. You gotta know when to walk away. Back. You gotta yeah, know when to yeah, something I else. I literally know like the first three and a half lines or three and a half lines of it, and that's it. Same. I know nothing else after that. What about what about a song yeah. about some diamonds or jewels or opals? Do you know a song about opals? Uh, I don't know any about opals, but I remember diamonds are forever. They are all I need to please me. They won't bleed in the night. I've no fear that they might desert me. Diamonds are forever. Throw your diamonds in the sky if you feel the vibe. Diamonds are forever. The rock is still alive every time I rhyme. Forever, ever, forever, ever, forever, ever, 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 ever. Okay, there you go. That was not a bad choice. You did that Diamonds of Sierra Leone remix on that. Because I was about to say, I don't know that song, if I'm being honest, but that was a good choice. Oh, that's Kanye. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a good it's choice. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I can't say if it's the remix or not. You could have done the non-Jay-Z one. Who knows? I don't know where you were going with it. Yeah. But yes, that is that Diamonds of Sierra Leone, which is kind of fitting. I mean, because, you know, Diamonds of Sierra Leone and the Opals of Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it works. It works. Well, I'm glad you clarified that for us, Shaston. Thank you for letting us know it works. I am the judge of that. Let's start the episode. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. It is I, Sterling, and I'm joined by Heather and Justin, and we are talking about the new, much-talked-about Adam Sandler movie, Uncut Gems. We're going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. We're going to start with Heather. What do you like about this movie? Yeah, the thing I liked most, which is pretty much what everyone's been talking about, is just the acting performance of Adam Sandler. I would say all of the acting in it is really really amazing but adam sandler it was so impressive like he he really kind of blew me away in this role he did such a good job at it i was excited because everyone kept you know hyping up like you've never seen adam sandler like this and all these things and it's true you haven't like he he was perfect in this role he was so good i mean you see the vulnerable side you see the frustrated side you see the i'm trying to cover my tracks on everything I'm doing side, you see just all these different sides to who he is. And um, he just did every one of those uh, sides of himself so well in this movie. I mean, he he's always obviously known for doing his um, comedy roles and things like that. And there wasn't really any parts of this movie where he was trying to be a funny guy, you know, so um, it was a it was a refreshing change. And it really I mean, I guess no time like 
in your 50s to show that you have acting range. I feel like a lot of people have been doing that this year with their with their performances they give. But um, yeah, I mean, he's he did just such a great job playing this character. And, um, you know, you just you see the urgency of like the stress that he's under to try and, you know, get this money for these people and all the, the people that he owes money to and all these things. And he's just very believable. And he does really kind of captivate you from the beginning because you're you're so curious, at least on my end. I was so curious what he was going to do, how he was going to try to get out of this, how he was going to get out of these things. You know, um, just un- trying to understand like his character's motives and is he is he going to try to redeem himself in any sort of way? Is he going to just keep doing what he's doing? He was just fascinating, like because throughout the movie, those are the things I'm wondering about. So yeah, I think he did a phenomenal job. He was surrounded by a lot of great supporting um, characters and performances as well. Um, Julia Fox, who plays his girlfriend or mistress or whatever she was. Uh, she was great. She, she really kind of, um, I mean, I believe she's newer. Uh, so I haven't seen her in anything before. She did a great job. She was pretty, um, I mean, she was pretty kind of stole the show, um, a little bit like, I mean, not completely cause Adam Sandler did, but beyond him, she was kind of the one that you're, you're interested in everything she's doing and what she's going to do next. So yeah, I think um, everybody did just such a great job. Even um, yeah. Like even his kids, like everybody was so great. And the, the people that are trying to track him down and that want to basically kill him, they were all just so there was no performance in this movie that I was like, I don't believe everything that you're doing. So that's definitely uh, yeah. Top notch acting all around in this. And, um, I also just liked the, just the believability of the situation because, you know, I mean, when you, as far as I understand, when you're, when you're somebody who does gambling and somebody who's just really in deep, when you owe money to people, you keep kind of making this bigger web that you're weaving as to what you try to do to get out of it. You know, you piss off more people, you owe more people money, you got to do all these ways to try and work around so that you could keep up almost like if you're lying all the time, like just weaving web webbed lies so that you could keep up. That's kind of what he was doing to try and get this money to the people that he owed and, you know, going around lying to his family and lying to everybody and just kind of trying to cheat everybody or hope that they didn't know that he was cheating them or whatever it was, everything he did, like it was just very believable for somebody who would have that kind of life that they were living. So, um, you know, he had a little bit of uh, charismatic charm in the sense of the selling side, like when when he's in his store and he's trying to sell things to people and uh, get them interested in what he has and all these things. He was very uh, charismatic in that way, like a salesman would be. And um, that was interesting to see as well. So, um, yeah, I just think the 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 way that they played what happens in this movie is mostly pretty believable as to this is the life of somebody that, you know, this is what they do all the time. And this is kind of the consequences of what happens to that. So I really appreciated that as well. Um, yeah, I just think... Mostly, I mean, for, I think uh, there was whatever movie it was that we were saying before where it's kind of an, um, really, it's just all about the performances that matter the most in the movie. This is the same thing. I feel like 
without these performances being as strong as they were, the movie wouldn't have worked as well as it did. But yeah, so I would just say just the um, everything that happens in the movie is believable in a sense. Uh, there's definitely some twists and some surprises and you don't expect everything that happens, but you don't think that it's completely an unbelievable thing when any of it does. So I really appreciated that element of it because you're just like, well, that is life. So <laughs> you just never know. So um, yeah, I appreciated that aspect of it. And um, and again, just especially Adam Sandler, just his whole performance was so um, fantastic and very much a pleasant surprise. Justin, what about you? What'd you like about this movie? Okay, so uh, going into this movie, just like Heather said, there, there was a lot of hype surrounding Adam Sandler's performance, and I was already hearing different things about how, oh, he's been, he's going to be nominated for several awards, and he may already be nominated for some awards here and there and stuff like that. I haven't really uh, checked in with all the Golden Globes and Screen Actors Guild and all that stuff, but from what I understand, he is getting looked at for a lot of award nominations. And so that was really the main appeal that drew me to this. I hadn't really seen any previews for this. I hadn't um, done any research on what the film was about. So I had no clue of what this movie was about. I, all I knew is that I needed to see it because Adam Sandler did a great job. And the thing is about Adam Sandler is that uh, th this isn't the first time that he has done a film and got uh rave reviews for his acting uh punch drunk love is another film that came out years ago that i can think of and it was kind of almost like this dark romantic comedy type of movie and he had such a great acting performance in that that people were like man you know he definitely has some skill and ever since i saw that movie i knew what he was capable of and it's just mind boggling that he doesn't take on more serious roles like this because I knew then that he definitely had a talent for it. And I don't know. I mean, maybe he thinks maybe for most of his career, he just figures, you know, the easy money is in the comedies I do. I get to work with my friends. I get all the creative freedom in those movies that I make and different things like that. So who knows? Maybe he just would rather have it easier than harder, which I mean, I can't blame him for that. You know, if you're a successful actor, whatever floats your boat. But performances like this make me wish that he had done more serious roles throughout his career because he was absolutely amazing as this person. And for me, this, th this really is one of those movies, I think, that's about a character that you're not necessarily rooting for him more than it is just you kind of looking at a character study because let's just, because truth be told, the guy was a bit of a scumbag. I mean, you know, he's lying to people. He's manipulating people. He obviously has this gambling problem or this gambling addiction. And you, you could just see that with the way that the directors, that, that the brothers, the, Safdie? Am I saying that right? The Safdie brothers. Um, you can just see the, the way that they crafted this film. It seemed like he was gambling with several different aspects of his life. And that's kind of what it came across to me. Everything was a gamble. You know, he had, you know, he was in the process of this uh, divorce 
kind of with his wife. But there was a gamble there because he had this mistress that he was also seeing and trying to balance both of those things. There was all the gambling debts that he had accrued just in his own life. But then there was the money that he owed his um, his relative um, Arno who had ties to what looked like the mob or something like that. So there was, so he has all this money tied up into these people and these people are kind of, and Arno is kind of associated with organized crime. So he owes those people and everything about this man's life seems to be a gamble. And Adam Sandler's character in this Howard probably wouldn't have it any other way because I know that when it comes to gambling addiction, one thing that you that they always talk about or is they always note when they're talking about someone who's addicted to gambling is just the rush of the gamble itself. Just that rush of wondering what's going to happen and and trying to figure out uh, the unknown and and that rush of am I going to be right or am I not? And the moments leading up to the uh, figuring out if you made the right decision or not. And there there is an art form and there very much is a rush to gambling. I mean, hell, when I went to Las Vegas and got to do some gambling and some slot machines and stuff like that, I, I, I get it, man. It's 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 fun. It's it's fun. It's nerve wracking. It's very suspenseful. And you think you're going to win and you're like, oh, man, if I can just land on this number or if I can just get this card or if I can just get. And there is something fun about that. There is something fun about being able to predict or making bets and different things like that. But some people, it consumes their life and they're just out of control. And that was very much this Howard character. And I think that the directors just did a great job of showcasing how all of these aspects of his life, he was gambling on certain things, on all of those things in a way, trying to balance those things, trying to make those things work, betting that he could push one more button with his wife or, or betting that he could convince her to hold off on the divorce just a few more weeks or just a few more months. Uh, you know, his girlfriend and everything that was going on with his mistress, Julie, with Julia and everything that was going on with that. So I just feel like that was definitely a point that this movie was trying to make. And then whenever he gets this opal from Ethiopia, this uncut gem, that's the ultimate gamble now, because he's gambling that this gem will will solve his problems. So here we have this gym kind of introduced as his ultimate gamble. If I can sell this, if I can get the money that I believe that this is worth, this will solve all my problems. So again, we've kind of put his livelihood and where everything was into this gym. And that's kind of what a gambler does, right? They, they kind of will put up something to bet and they will bet it all or they will bet this one thing and they really just believe, oh man, this bet is going to be the one that gets me out of hot water. This bet is going to be the one that saves me. So I like how within the confines of the movie, you can see how the Safdie brothers set this up. Uh, another thing that I loved about this film, other than Adam Sandler's performance, which is great, is just how chaotic and 
just nerve wracking and kind of edge of your seat pacing that this film had. I mean, the moment that this film starts, you're and 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 you see the the you see the Ethiopians and the people procure this uncut gem and everything. But right when we're in Howard's jewelry store, it is chaotic. He's trying to get these people to buy this jewelry and stuff like that. And then you've got uh, a, a friend of his is shouting at him and telling him, hey, you owe me this, you owe me that. When are you going to do this? Hey, man, I've got Kevin Garnett, uh, you know, is coming here to look at some of the stuff you have, man. Come on, man, you, you need to hurry up. And there are people yelling left and right. And it's just a very chaotic beginning. But you can kind of see how this character, Howard, how... It, it it's almost like he's at home in all of this chaos, right? Like it almost just felt like even though all of these chaotic things are happening, there's people yelling and shouting at him. There's people coming, coming and saying, hey, you owe me money for this or that. When are you going to pay me this and that? And it's just so hectic. And, the, and we as an audience, you feel that you're just like, oh, my gosh, man, this is just chaotic as hell. But his silver tongue and his charisma, this Howard guy just being able to talk down people, being able to kind of entice people with this silver tongue, being able to get people to hold off on what they were going to do for just a little bit longer because I've got this solution and it's coming. And everything in the movie just feels like an either or type of situation. What's going to happen if he doesn't get out of this situation? What's going to happen? And, it, and, and a lot of times characters are giving him ultimatums. It's going to be this or that. It, it, you know, this is not working. So we are going to do this. And so it, it constantly seems like in the movie, this guy is either making gambles or he's presented in a scenario where it's either or. If you lose, this is what's going to happen to you. If you win, this is what it could be. And so I just love that storytelling with the film, whether he was having a conversation with his wife and it was her saying, after Passover, I'm ending it. And just that time limit of him about to lose his wife and his family, or if it's over here with uh, the, the Julia mistress and then the problems that they start having and then her going out and then him wondering, oh, well, did she actually leave my apartment or what condition did she leave my apartment in? It's like there's always these scenarios where he's put in these situations where it seems like at any moment something could go wrong. Uh, when Kevin Garnett finally does visit the jewelry store and, and Kevin Garnett was surprisingly good in this too. Now, I know some people are like, well, I mean, he was playing himself. I mean, how hard could it be to uh, play yourself? But the interesting thing is, is that I've, I've heard that he said in several interviews that it was still kind of weird because it's not like he ever did actually did these things in the movie per se. So there was still that acting of, uh, of him going, well, would I say these things or would I do these things or how would I have reacted if I was in this situation? So that was interesting too. You know, it, it was uh, the way he describes it. It was a little more complex than you would think uh, playing himself in a situation that he's never been in. But I appreciated Kevin Garnett. I mean, and I'm a big fan of his. Like Kevin Garnett is one of my 
all-time favorite basketball player. So, I, you know, I was so happy that he got some uh, championship rings before he retired. But in this, as this basketball player who kind of just – was infatuated with this um, uncut gem, this opal, and him kind of wanting to take it for good luck and kind of the myriad of problems that that causes the moment he takes this gem and then you have Adam Sandler's character Howard trying to get it back but can't and there's miscommunication and he doesn't have the gem but he's trying to auction off this gem and he but he doesn't have it and he's trying to get it and you know there's a man in the middle so all of that just made for just this very well-paced chaotic movie and I, I was just like on the edge of my seat the whole time going what is going to happen to this guy is this another bad decision and as he digs himself a deeper hole as he gets money and then you see him then take that money and gamble on something else you just can't help but sigh sometimes and go oh my god man what are you doing you're just digging a deeper hole this is just going to make the situation worse and this really is just a character study of a man who was his own worst enemy and 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 and, and but then on the flip side of that, like like Heather was kind of saying, there's also this in kind of endearing story of this person who never seems to win and nothing goes wrong for him and everything just seems to go wrong for him. And he's just, you know, and, and, and so then, you know, after seeing everything go wrong, you're just kind of like you can't help but in some ways root for him like, man, you know, it'd be nice if he won something, you know. Yeah, he's not a good, uh, the greatest person, but golly, man, God, this guy could use a break. You know, you, we get to see him in a trunk. Uh, we get to see him get beat up several times. We get to see him, you know, with his children. And there are some genuine moments that he has with his family and with his uh, girlfriend, Julia, and different things like that. There are some genuine moments that this character has. And then there was a moment where Adam Sandler just breaks down, like nothing is going right. Nothing is going, every gamble, it doesn't seem like it's going to pay off. He doesn't see a way out of this situation. And he kind of just breaks down and start crying. And man, Adam Sandler just, man, he just did such a wonderful job. I felt that. I was there with that. I mean, it, it really, he really, it really seemed like this character, Howard, just didn't have a hope in the world. And really, when you look at the entire scenario and situation, it, it seemed like he always kind of had confidence that he was going to get out. But in that moment, he didn't. And I, and that, so that breakdown that we got to see from the character, I thought was really good. And that was just a very genuine moment that he shared with uh, Julia when she was in there and she was in there for him. And that was one of the more uh, memorable and genuine moments of the film. And then, you know, finally, when the film uh, reaches its conclusion and we get to the point of no return, uh, it's it, I think it was very, very artistic and very poetic how in his ultimate gamble, not only did he win, not only did he get the biggest win of his life, like not only did the biggest gamble of his life pay off and he won, but that same gamble, um, and this is a spoiler alert for anybody who 
was listening to this and th didn't know that there were going to be spoilers, but spoiler alert. But it's very, to me, poetic that in the biggest gamble that he made, he won. But at the same time, that gamble, because of everything that it took to get to that point, also cost him his life. So there's just something about that, man. There was just something, and it was shocking. It was surprising. But to me, it was very meaningful that it seemed like really a fitting end for a, a person who lived like this. You know, he really lived and died by that sword of gambling. And ultimately, he gambled on everything and he won, but he lost at the same time. So it was just really kind of one of those very interesting uh, poetic things. And, and so this... I just uh, was very happy with this film. I think it was interesting throughout. Uh, and, and I mean, and, and and some of this, like the language in this, it now it's it's got very vulgar language. Every other word is the F word or the N word a lot of times and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of that going on in this movie. And I mean, which was fine with me. I mean, we're in New York. This is the streets. This is people in uh, in the hoods in New York and stuff like that. So they talk tough. They talk like, I mean, people talk like this, you know. So it wasn't anything uh, too bad for me, but I could definitely see you know, your average audience goer or certain people may be kind of being taken aback by this because it's very boisterous. It's very loud. It's very in your face. But I think that it was all very effective. And this is not one of those stupid movies with a bunch of people yelling. There is a point to it. There are elements in the story that all work and come together to tell this story. And at the end, you get a character study that was very effective. And honestly, looking back at other movies that are kind of similar to this, like everybody was ranting and raving about the Joker. And Joker to me is a similar kind of movie in that you have a person who is not a good person and we're kind of seeing how this person becomes this criminal or becomes this, uh, uh, person or whatever, but the the movie introduces elements to make us want to root for him and everything like that. And 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 you know we all kind of had our opinions on that. And not, and none of us thought that it was like the best thing in the world or anything. You know we liked Joaquin Phoenix in it, but it, but we didn't think it was all that effective in what it was trying to deliver and the message of the Joker. Well, this is totally the opposite of that. I think that this was this is like the right way to do a film like that where you have this guy who doesn't have those uh who doesn't have a lot of redeeming qualities not necessarily a good guy but the way you showcase it and the way you tell the story was important for that story to come full circle and you can at least appreciate it still in that bubble so uh, yeah, my hat's off to everyone involved and definitely Adam Sandler for his acting performances and for the other people like Julia Fox and Kevin Garnett and, and, and other supports that stepped up, too. And I agree with Heather. Julia Fox, not only is she like gorgeous and stuff, but no, she's a star. Definitely. She carried some of those scenes that she was in and stole a lot of scenes, in my opinion. So. That girl is a star. I mean, I'll be excited to see her get other projects because I'm sure she'll get some more stuff after this. Uh, for me, 
I'm going to par- I mean, it's what always happens in situations like this. Uh, no, Adam, Adam Sandler's fantastic in this. I think across the board, all the acting is just 100% spot on. Even from your traditional non-actors, like when you get a Kevin Garnett or The Weeknd or something like that. Like, I know The Weeknd wasn't in it much, but even just that little bit he was in it, I thought was really great. Um, but at the same time, fuck Kevin Garnett, because fuck the Celtics. Like, I'm a Lakers fan. I, I'm not going to give him too many props. I did think it was a little weird, though, that he was walking around with his uh with his championship ring on. I just thought that that was kind of funny. that He just had his championship ring on. He's like, oh, I'm going to go do this. You know, and all this other stuff. I did like the fact that uh, Adam Sandler's character had a Knicks ring. Yeah, uh, that's a, a very small detail. But if you know anything about uh, Adam Sandler, you're gonna know that he he loves the Knicks. He's a diehard Knicks fan. Nice. So I thought that was a small little nice touch that could have been written in. But also, I could just see that him going, "Hey, my character would do this because it fits him," and it both ways are believable. Uh, I liked, and this is. What both of you talked about, though, that just like the realism it showed with with somebody that's a gambling addict, because unlike other types of addictions and things like that, like gambling addicts believe they can gamble their way out of it. Like people that are addicted to heroin don't feel like they can just do enough heroin and get out. Yeah, You know what I mean? They're just like, oh, well, if I just do more heroin, I'll be fine. You know, where gambling is very much. Uh, like, oh, well, if I just do this, I can get out of this. You know, if I win this bet, I can pay off everybody and I'm fine. Or if I take this bet and then I swing it to this bet, I'll be fine. Even though more often than not, if they do win that bet, then they just feel like they can bet it again and do even better. And I really liked how this movie showed that, that it showed that he owes money to just tons of people. And he's, you know, pawning off other people's jewelry to pay for these bets thinking that he can win the bet, pay off the pawn, you know, give the jewelry back and, you know, just have all that extra money left over. And then I like to, uh, and I liked how you, you worded it, Justin, when you're talking about how like pretty much he made everything in his life a bet, mm-hmm. you know, like he was just doing everything like that. And it was from his wife to his girlfriend, to his business, to just even that, that Opal, everything was just one bet to him. And and like you said, in the in the end, like when he wins bigger than anything, like he loses it all at the yeah. same time. And I completely agree with you. Like that's what made that so poignant. Yeah. Yeah. And then going back to what you were saying when you brought up the Joker and stuff like that, to me, the biggest difference between this and the Joker is this is something his scumminess and his, you know, his sins, if you will, are infinitely more understandable than the Joker's. Like his I've been picked on or everybody's against me mentality. Yes, we can all understand that. But then him turning homicidal with it is where it breaks that believability. Yeah. Because as much as the movie says that that's not what it's about, that movie is wanting you to root for somebody going homicidal because they feel like they're forgotten by society. Mm -hmm. And that's something we have too much of already. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his gambling addiction's a ride, and it, it takes you on that. Like, you get very much the roller coaster of the ups and downs and, like, the highs and lows with his gambling addiction. They, they show a small window into that. But then it also shows you a slightly extreme version, but, like, a kind of realistic way in which yeah. it can take everything away from you. You know, it's not likely that, yes, anybody that's a gambling addicted addict isn't going to get shot. Okay, I understand that. 
but the fact that just always searching that next win can can ruin your life can 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 destroy it and the fact that it showed all that i think was way more effective than what the joker did with any of its stuff and i think that that's like the biggest difference between this and that was the fact that it shows like i said it it shows a more realistic outcome of that mm-hmm. and it shows mm-hmm. and it shows the humanity in it too like everyone around him sees his life falling apart and he kind of does but like you said being a gambling addict he thinks he's one bet away from it fixing it all you know there's that that scene where everything's going down and everything's terrible and he really did think he lost it all and then all of a sudden kevin garnett calls him is like hey no i'll buy that stone and then he's like, okay, yeah, everything's fixed. We're just going to gamble it all away. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. And I think that the, the interesting thing, like what you're saying is you're right, because with this, they don't try to glorify his addiction. They don't try to make it seem like, I mean, you want to root for him, but also he doesn't even run a root for him sometimes. Like you feel like he's like, no, like I am a mess and I don't deserve these things. I don't deserve you. I don't whatever. Like he doesn't feel like he's, like he he wants to be owed something but you don't feel like he thinks he's necessarily owed it like he's kind of like he he's self-aware that you know it's it's almost like you feel like he's self-aware that it's a problem you know but with uh, the joker it was kind of like they were glorifying it and they were just like he felt justified in what he was doing and with this his addiction is more of just like you know i just want to fix the things that i've already caused but i also just want to have money you know like that kind of thing and it's you don't feel like they're trying to glorify it and it's not the character trying to justify like this is why i'm amazing and i deserve all the things that i'm trying to get you know and like with that i I don't know if i was rooting for for uh howie in this as much as i felt like i was kind of rooting for everybody else to dump his ass (laughs) i kind of get that yeah it's hard to, it was hard to root for him yeah you were kind of rooting for his wife to leave him and you you were kind of rooting for his life to break down so then he could redeem himself i guess that's in the way if you're rooting for yeah. him you're rooting for him to hit rock bottom and fix himself exactly yeah and you don't get that in this movie and that's fine i'm i'm okay with that not happening but that's what you're rooting for you're like whenever he, you know him and his his side piece got in a, that fight and everything like I was hoping she would leave him. Like I'm like, no, girl, yeah. just leave him. You're too good for him. And same with Idina <laughs> Menzel. I was like, no, you leave him. He he's a bastard. And like, and I really loved that scene where it clicked with his son. That his dad's a bastard. Yeah, yeah, that was a great scene. Like that was that was a very subtle and small scene, but to me, it was as impactful as pretty much anything else you had in this movie. That whenever he realized that, like, oh, my dad's a cheating asshole yeah you know and you could tell that and you could kind of tell that with his daughter too when he's having that conversation with his daughter talking about how he's got to go do some business in the city and all this other stuff but i'll see her in the morning you could tell she's just got this look on his face of like oh you're just gonna go cheat on mom mm-hmm. and you could see that 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 shine of like admiring and and being in you know like your dad being your hero it was already lost on the daughter and you saw his son lose it his oldest son lose it yeah and that was just really fantastic um i really liked the small little twist that his brother-in-law was one of the assholes that was like trying to get money from him (laughs) yeah yeah and all this other stuff i thought that that was a great little twist but then also believable with just how that family was 
you know, they were a family of secrets. And it wasn't like it was his wife's brother or his brother. It was his wife's sister's husband, you know. Mm-hmm. So I like that they didn't really have that connection so that they could have that point of demarcation of motherfucker, you owe me money. I'm going to send thugs to beat the fuck out of you. And also I'm going to strip you naked and throw you in the back of your car at your daughter's high school. <laughs> right. Like I loved that. And like, it was just such a small little thing. And I also loved, I loved the end of this movie where even he was kind of like, holy fuck, this guy's about to win a lot of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that the other people, I loved that they really didn't care about that. They didn't care about the money as much as they kind of cared about the, the respect of the situation. Uh-huh. The principle, how he was dicking them around for that log and everything like that. The lack of respect. Yeah. They care more about that, you know? Like, yeah, his brother-in-law actually had the mentality of, oh, this fucking, this guy won a lot of money. Oh, he'll actually pay me back. And these other people were like, no, this is a gambling fuckhead. He's just going to try to gamble that away too. Fuck this. And one thing I kind of appreciated about the movie though also was the fact that like, how it is tragic that he does lose his life at the end of the movie. But in doing so, it kind of sets up his family and his mistress to be kind of well off because like right. his family is going to make a lot of money off the insurance of the store and they'll be able to pay the dad back and all this other shit. Like they'll be kind of set. And then the mistress is sitting around with like what a cool 1.3 million. Now? Yeah. <laughs> like I, and that actually kind of made me happy that they kind of got a happy ending. I know that they just lost their, you know, father, husband, slash, or boyfriend, you know, all this other stuff. But in a way, like, they're kind of better off that way. Just getting the money and being free of him was kind of fitting to me. And I really kind of liked that. In a way, he got that big win that he seemed to be searching for. You know, there there was this idea that he could get th- that, 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 you know, that nobody ever believed that he could win a bet like that and he, and 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 that speech with Kevin Garnett I think was that was another great scene towards the end of the film where he's talking to Kevin Garnett and he's telling him you know they they doubt you and they don't think that you can go out there and win this game Kevin and you know you you ought to hear what they say about you and look at the numbers look look how they look at the numbers in Vegas and look what they have on you and this is a minus this and a minus that they don't believe in you man and look I'm just like you they don't believe I can win this but I know I can and we can show them man we can show them and yeah even though that was some of his silver tongue howie stuff the salesman thing yeah the salesman thing you know that somewhere in there he also believed that too like that's kind of the mentality you know he had convinced himself that it's me against the world and that's what i'm doing that makes kind of what i'm doing noble you know if i can get that ultimate win i'm going to be right one of these times i'm going to gamble and my gamble is going to pay off and I'm going to be the one that's right. So in a way he got his big win. It just cost him everything, but he did get that big win. You know, he did, he did get that big win with the uncut gym. So he got his win, even though we understand that you, 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 you know, it cost everything else. And, and we understand his addiction and we understand 
why he thought that way, but almost in a sick sort of way, it's a little uplifting because he did finally get that big win, you know? So it's just weird, all these things that, all these emotions that the movie kind of gives you with that ending. But I just thought that was another scene that was great, you know? Well, like with that scene though, I love that it was getting the big win doesn't mean you fix everything. Exactly, yeah. Right. Getting the big win when you're a gambling addict or something like that still means you can lose everything. Yeah. Like I really loved that. And like when you were talking about that speech you had with Kevin Garnett, I loved how it kind of just showed the mindset you have to have in, in, in doing stuff like that, where, you know, he, he paid a hundred thousand dollars so he could, you know, hopefully get a million, but still he got like 165,000 out of that stone. And he's like, yeah, but that's like 50 lifetimes for them. And Kevin Garnett's like, oh, well, it would have been a million. And he's like, yeah, but it's the same thing you do. Like, does it matter if it's one point or 30 points? Like, you're going to go for that 30. You're going to keep going. It doesn't matter. So, you know, that ruthlessness to it, to have, you know, that that duality of it just kind of really felt, I mean, it felt authentic. That's the mindset they have. And I mean, as bad as it is, that's kind of how people are successful. You've got to kind of have that mindset to be successful. You have to have that, you know, I don't want to say at all costs mentality, but you kind of have to not worry about all the costs, like, you know, type of mentality with some of that stuff. And I just, I really appreciated that because then to me, it also showed like the authenticity of, of kind of that whole diamond district section of, of uh, New York. Like I've never been to the diamond district, but like everything I've heard about it, and I'm not talking about just portrayals on TV or anything like that, but just actually people talking about going to the Diamond District. I really appreciated uh, what they showed with that because my understanding is that's really how it is. It really is chaos. It really is a hustle all the time. And just kind of showing that. And then, like and I said, I, or like you guys talked about, I really appreciated seeing him thrive in that. Like, when he was in the chaos and when he was in the shit, like, yeah. that's when Howard thrived. And I really loved that. And, you know, and, and like, as weird as it was, like he was still very, very, I don't, I don't want to say inspiring, but like just seeing anybody thriving in something like that is kind of an inspiring thing. But um, do you guys have any more likes? I think we covered it all for me. No, that was it for me. All right. So dislikes as much as, I really liked this movie based with like the story and the acting. I think all of those are top notch where I have some issues come from some of like the directorial decisions with some of this stuff, like the weird eighties, like space documentary music (laughs) that would come and go was incredibly distracting to me. Oh yeah. 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 It was shit like that. Or like, you're like, what the fuck is this? Like that was all shit you would get in like discovery channel documentaries in the eighties. Like when they would just be showing you pictures from outer space and it was throughout the entire movie. Like it was really, really distracting. And like, And then they did the weird shit at the beginning of the movie where they're like, I understand them showing like the mine in Ethiopia. I understand that. That's a very important part. But then it like zooms into the opal and is like 
doing that weird fucking music, which actually kind of fit there Mm -hmm. more than it did anywhere else in the movie, but it was in the entire fucking movie. (laughs) And like, it's going through this. And then all of a sudden we're in Adam Sandler's colon. Right. I know that bothered me a lot. Yeah. I just, I didn't think that was necessary. That was a weird plot point that I did not give a fuck about that. He got a colonoscopy and thought he might have like colon cancer because it matters for a total of 15 to 20 seconds in this entire movie. Yeah. It never came back at all. Yeah. It was pointless. And they, and they really tried to like shoehorn that in when, when what's his name's character was in that, uh, trying to get his watches back and stuff. But like, it just was really, really kind of like, I think it would have mattered more if he had colon cancer or something like then maybe some of it would have felt a little bit more justified. I don't know. Like it just was very, very weird. But like, so I just, I didn't think any of that was necessary for any of that stuff. And like I said, the music was like that throughout the entire movie. And then like, then they ended the movie the same way when it zoomed in through his bullet hole and kept just like zooming in and went into his blood and like all that other shit. And then it's like, yeah, you know, doing all that shit again. And it's very much seems like it's trying to rip off uh, Ant-Man whenever he's going down to the, uh, the quantum dimension or whatever, the quantum <laughs> realm in the Ant-Man movies and stuff, or, or in Dr. Strange when the ancient one sends him through the multiverse, essentially like that's what it looked like, but like a cheaper eighties version of that, which was just really bothersome. Um, and like, and to me, it drew attention to the weirdest things. Like, I didn't realize when he got shot that that hole in his cheek was the bullet wound. I thought that he got shot in, like, the eye and that that was just, like, a, a speck of blood on his cheek. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Until it kept zooming in and kept zooming in. And then I was like, oh, no, they're saying that's the bullet hole. That doesn't weird. It weirdly doesn't look like a bullet hole. I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of realistic bullet holes in my life. Like, I haven't just seen fresh bullet holes that weren't in a movie or something. But, yeah, that was really, really weird. Like I said, I haven't seen a lot of in-life bullet holes. And maybe that's how they actually look. But it just looked weird and fake and cheap. Like, I don't see somebody getting, like, shot in the cheek as deadly. So, I don't know. That was just, I'm just incredibly distracting. I think I've seen another movie recently that they kind of did the same thing. With, like, a cheek bullet wound or something like that. And it kind of just looked like a perfect little hole. And I'm trying to remember what it was. And I've been trying to remember what it was since I saw it in this movie. But I don't know. It's just, it's not clicking. But like, it was really weird decisions like that. That really were the things that kind of took me out of stuff. Like, it would just take me out of every scene when that weird music would kick in. Because I didn't feel like it was music of the time or anything like that. So I just, I don't know where it came from. Like, I don't understand the mentality behind it. And... And I guess that's why it's such a big deal to me, because a good musical score is going to enhance a scene or you're not going to notice it. Like those are the good like ways to do music in a movie. But when it's distracting, like that's something you never want, because that should be like the simplest of things. So whenever, depending on the scene, when you would have that music come in and it just take you out of it, it's a very jarring experience. But I'm, I don't know. Like I said, because for the most part, I really loved this movie. It's just I was never fully able to get completely invested in it because of that. Uh, what about you, Justin? What are your dislikes? Um, well, actually, you had took one of mine. The whole thing with the 
uh, colonoscopy and everything. And it was weird how I, I was going to say the same thing, that that was just weird how that was at the beginning of the movie. So it just seemed like there was that was going to come back somehow or there was going to be some sort of payoff to that. And really, the, the closest thing we got to the payoff was just him getting off the phone a little bit later and going, ah, you know, I don't have it. Yay. So, yeah, that was kind of like, okay, then why did that scene, why was that scene necessary? So, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from with that. And, yeah, I was going to say that the music just a lot of times didn't seem to fit uh, what was happening. And, yeah, and sometimes it was just very, very weird. And I don't know why it sounded so dreamy, I guess you could say. Like, it was almost like this. I mean, it was just like weird, like ding dong, ding ding ding. I mean, it was just like this, like, like kind of like weird ish, like eighties kind of. It it was just very weird for some of the transitions. So yeah, I, I can definitely see how that could be a little off-putting. And when I heard it, it didn't bother me like, oh, what are they doing with this music? It didn't make me like, I didn't cringe or anything. But I remember I was surprised though. The first few times I heard it, I went, oh, uh, what is that? Or, hmm, that's an interesting choice. Like, I think I even said that to one of my friends, like we were watching and I went, okay, that's an interesting choice. Or maybe I thought that to myself or something, but it was just, yeah, you're right. Like the music did not fit what was happening uh, whenever it would do those ballads or whatever you want to call them. Uh, other than that, I mean, the only thing I could say is that, I mean, it wasn't really a problem for me, but there are a lot of scenes with people shouting over each other. There's a lot of yelling and there's a lot of cutting people off and people trying to talk and stuff like that. And it's a very like chaotic film, you know what I mean? Which to, for me, it, it works for this kind of film, but I could definitely see this being off-putting for certain people. Like, like, especially when it comes to recommendations, I just know that there are people that are not going to want to watch this. I mean, just because, or they'll start watching it and they'll go, what is this? Everybody is yelling. Everybody is like, doing, you know, I could just see this not working for everyone, uh, even though it worked for me. So I don't know. It's it's not necessarily a dislike in the sense that I hated it, but I could definitely see this maybe uh, being off-putting to people because just for some of those things, you know, just like the out-of-place music, the kind of chaotic nature of it, uh, I could just see those being um, distractions for people. Uh, not in the same way the music was for you, but just I could just see them having a hard time focusing because you've got a lot of different things uh, g going on in the movie like that. Or a lot of parts where there is just a bunch of people speaking at different times and, and the camera's all over the place trying to get you really into that chaos. And I could see that being uh, a chore for people, uh, for sure. But other than that, man, I mean, those are probably the only things that I could come up with. I mean, honestly, 
the to to me the 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 story is just very tightly knit. It has a wonderful third act um, with everything happening with the bet and the basketball game, and then him locking them in there, and then everything that happens in its conclusion. And I know we're in the negative section, but I mean the 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 film is very well put together. So there's really not a lot, honestly, a lot for me to say other than kind of the things that you said. But yeah. Uh, that that's really all I got. I mean, I'm really trying. Like, I'm really like thinking. Was there anything else I didn't like? And I just can't think of much, honestly. No, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you on this because if I wanted to get like extra nitpicky, I probably could have found things. But this movie didn't make me want to get nitpicky. And like, yeah. And like I said, just the music was a big distraction for me. The people, the chaotic dialogue, I loved because. That felt real. How many times in real life, and like especially a multi-person dynamic, is everybody just clearly speaking individually, like one at a time? Yeah, yeah, you know, very true. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's what I loved about that about that dialogue is that felt so real, you know. And I don't feel, and I understand why movies don't do that, but it really added to the authenticity of this movie. But the music, on the other hand, every time it did that, I found myself wondering, who is this music for? Like, it really felt like they found free music online from 1980s bullshit <laughs> and just did that to save some money. I mean, I can't I can't imagine that any of the music in the score aspects of it were written before 19 or written after 1983. Like. They did have some more modern music in it. And I think that that's also what made it so clashing. You know, like you've got the weekend in it and, you know, they're playing modern music, at least for the time, modern music. But it was just so fucking distracting when, like I said, the music would go all the way to the early 80s, like older than I am. And then that was like the score for it. But uh, Heather, what about you? What did you not like about this movie? Yeah, and it's funny too, like... I literally had that same one about the the colon shot that they did of like at the very beginning, because especially because ultimately it didn't mean anything in the movie. I mean, like you said, like if it had been something where he did have that or he was like a lot of the gambling and the money he was trying to get was because he knew he was going to need to do something about that or had doctor's stuff to pay or whatever it was, it would have made more sense to have all of that in it, but it didn't. Like there, it, I feel like it was just a very pointless thing to put in the movie that amounted to nothing. Everything else in this movie, you feel like a little bit of it, like there was a reason for, um, for some of that. But yeah, just that part was like, what was the point in having it at all? So I am up there with you guys on that one. That was a little bit of like a confusing thing for me. Um, I did also think it was a little bit creepy how he snuck into his uh, girlfriend's apartment and just kind of like watched her from the closet for a little bit. <laughs> like, it, it just was weird because I'm like, especially if that's like his girlfriend and she's in, I don't know, like she's already expecting him to be over there or come over there. Like, what was the point in him doing that? Like, it was just kind of creepy. It was like a little bit of a creepy side of his character. <laughs> like, But it wasn't like a crazy thing like it didn't take me out of the movie or whatever but it was just kind of like what was the point in it you know like there was just a couple of things where i was like why is this thrown in there but um yeah ultimately there's not a whole lot to dislike about it i think just in general for me the story 
itself wasn't as it wasn't as like a captivating story overall for me just preference wise of stories that i like and don't like um nothing wrong at all with the story they told like they told it very well it was a very well put together film like you said justin but just in general it wasn't one that like resonated with me on a personal level in any sort of way so i think just because of that, mm, that yeah like just because of that it um it wasn't just like a man i really feel this movie i really feel these characters or anything like that like i didn't have a real personal connection with any of the characters or story itself so if anything that would really be my only dislike because how they did the movie there's absolutely nothing wrong with how they did it like it was a very well done and um, captivating movie in that way but just I didn't have any sort of personal connection with anyone or any storyline really in the movie um and then I think, yeah, when you were talking about like the chaotic dialogue, I was actually going to say that too, because there was a lot of yelling over each other and loudness and all of that. But, um, you know, Sterling's point is good about like how many times in life is it really not like that? Like everybody, especially when you're trying to make a point and you're angry and you're arguing with somebody, you're always going to be trying to talk over them. So it makes sense, actually, especially with the you know, the whole undertones of what this movie is, it makes sense that that had, that it had a lot of that. Cause I was going to use that as one of mine as well. But, um, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that it, if it were in like a, another random movie, then it wouldn't make sense. But this movie, it made sense to have that. So, um, yeah, really my, my biggest thing is just the, the fact that I, I don't have any kind of personal connection. So it didn't make me love this movie in that kind of way. Well, in his defense, technically, that was his apartment. I guess that's true. Okay. Yeah, that was his apartment. The thing I did appreciate about that scene was the fact that that didn't go where I thought it was going to go. I kind of thought she was going to like walk in with another guy or something. I thought she was too. Yeah. Because that's typically what happens in that scene in a movie. And because in, in movies like this, traditionally, the mistress is also cheating on the guy, you know? Yeah. And it's like, how can he really get mad if she's not? And I know they kind of had aspects in this of this in this movie. Mm -hmm. But, like, I really kind of appreciated how much they showed, like, kind of the fact that she legitimately loved him. Yeah, that is true. And I did actually forget that it was his apartment. I was I was thinking when I said that, that it was her apartment. But you're right. Um, no, I totally I actually totally agree. Even that whole scene when they're he has his breakdown and she's like sitting with him like and she probably could have had like any guy she wanted, you know, but like she was just like, no, I love you. I, I want to be with you. I got a tattoo for you. I did all these things for you. And, you know, I run around and I, I put your money where you needed it to go. And like she just legitimately loved him. And it just it didn't matter what he did or didn't do. She still wanted to be with him. So I did actually like that aspect. And I do also want to comment, though, that I do blame her for him dying because like a long running joke for people that get a lot of tattoos and stuff like that is if you get somebody's name, it's a death sentence. And in this movie, <laughs> it legitimately was. That is funny. I didn't know that. Like, yeah, if you get somebody's name tattooed on you, typically it means the relationship's going to end type of situation. Like you're putting a death sentence on it. Like a lot of people suggest if you're going to get a tattoo of somebody's name, have it be one of your children or somebody that's dead. Mm -hmm. Cause those things aren't going to really change. And so, yeah, like in this movie, she gets his name tattooed on her and yeah, he dies. It literally ends the relationship. So I blame her for him dying. 
Um, but like I said, that's why I guess that scene really just didn't bother me is because it went a direction I didn't think it was going to go. So I just really then ended up appreciating that scene because I thought it was going to be the typical, oh, she was out with another guy and like came home, you know, with him and was like bringing him home to fuck thinking she wasn't going to see Adam Sandler that night. But no, she's like, she just came home. And then, you know, when he was like, oh, I'm taking the tunnel. She's like, oh, so you're really close. And I was like, oh, she's with another guy. No, she just wanted to get all dressed up and sexy for him. Yeah. Like, that's why that or like her dialogue and that mattered because it does work both ways. It works that she was with another guy or she did what she wanted to do. And so like that aspect of it, I think that, yeah, that's why that scene just, I really appreciated it because of that. Um, yeah. But like, in, like going back to the colonoscopy scene, if they had just brought it up, I can't think one other time in the movie. Like if he just said to somebody, even to his girlfriend, oh, you know, I'm just kind of worried about that colonoscopy the other day. Right. Just something like that. It would have worked. It would have at least been a little bit more justified. But no, they mention it twice. And, and one of those mentions is when it's happening. Like he's having the colonoscopy. And then it's, I forgot about it happening until it's all like Dr. Bernstein's calling you. I was like, are you serious? Now it matters. And then it was just nothing. You know, and he's like, oh, yeah, no, you're fine. I'm like, now it matters even less. It's even less of a fucking factor now. I just wish they had actually brought something up with that. I don't know. Uh, anything else for you guys? Nope. No, I'm good. Uh, so this is uh, Heather. Heather, what's your uh, recommendation and score? Um, yeah, I would recommend this movie because even as someone, like I said, who it, it doesn't like personally connect with me in that way, I still enjoyed it for what it was. I think how they sold the to- how, how they told the story and the acting performances do make it worth it to see this. Um, yeah, just a very raw and real type of movie. And I think that that is important to have. And I, I really appreciated um, how they did it and how they made the film. So, yeah, I would recommend it. Um, and I'm going to give it, I'll give it um, 75 arguments in his office with Kevin Garnett out of 100. Uh, Justin, what about you? Uh, yeah, um, I'm definitely going to recommend the film, but I'm just going to recommend it with that warning. You know, there is going to be a lot of uh, th- there's a lot of language in this movie. And this movie is very, very, very tough talking, shouting, yelling, all of that kind of stuff. So if you're a person who's kind of thin skinned and that you find that kind of film off-putting and different things like that, then I don't know if you will be able to look past and really appreciate uh, what it's doing artistically because you might be too stuck on some of the content so uh, or some of the content or some of the uh the the verbiage in this film but but really that's few and far between i mean but for the most part i do recommend this i mean this is one of the most talked about and honestly in my opinion best performances of this year what adam sandler does with this character and the work in this and 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 for me that that alone is worth the price of admission but even but 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 beyond just that performance this really isn't one of those films where just one person makes the movie that's not necessarily true at all in this case everybody shows up in this and you've got some elements that feel very real and there are real people like the weekend and kevin garnett that are in this too and 
you've got a breakout performance from Julia Fox. And I mean, there are a lot of great things about this film. And then you've got just one of the more interesting character studies about an addiction that I've seen um, in a long time. So I think that for all of those reasons, uh, the, the, that's worth the recommendation. I, I, I do think that this is one of the stronger movies I've seen all year. As far as just the story, the active performances, when I put that all in together, uh, the, this is one of the better films and it definitely deserves the accolades that it's getting. And yes, uh, Adam Sandler definitely has acting chops and it's just a shame that he doesn't like to do more stuff like this. But, and, and who knows, maybe uh, there are reasons for that, but this is just another example like Punch Drunk Love. When given the right material, Adam Sandler can go, man. He can be every bit as good as anybody that you love uh, when given the right material and he's and when he takes the, the the material seriously. So my hat is off to him and the filmmakers and everything. This was a wild ride from start to finish, and it, it was very refreshing to get a movie like that that was chaotic but artistic and poignant at the same time. So for me, um, I, I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going with an A, so uh, I will give it 90, uh, <laughs> 90 uh, opals being stolen from bloody Ethiopians out of 100. Um. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely recommend this. I won't even give it the caveat of be warned about the chaotic dialogue or anything like that. I will give it the, ca uh, the caveat of, be warned about weird music that just doesn't belong there. So if you're okay with that and you can handle that, I, I feel like you can handle this movie. Uh, no, I think it's, it's a, it's a must-see. I, I, I feel like it really is a must-see to really appreciate what Adam Sandler and just everybody does in this movie. I really, I really like what you said with that, Justin, that this isn't a movie that just one person elevates. Everybody in this movie is really fucking good. Um, and as Heather said, even the kids, because like I said, the kid that played his oldest son, when you see him, like, I don't want to say fall out of love with his father, but, like, just be become disillusioned with his father. You see it. That kid nailed that with just, like, facial expressions. And it was so good with that. Uh, and the guy that plays his brother-in-law, don't remember his name off the top of my head, but I know him from uh, Law & Order Criminal Intent back in the day. And I really loved him on that. So it was really, really good to see him in this. And just everybody, everybody brings their A-game. Like, from beginning to the end of this movie. Like, even Kevin Garnett works. And I know he's just playing himself. But he still works as not feeling like a non-actor in this. Uh, and what's his name from, from, from Atlanta and Get Out? Uh, what, Lakeith? Uh, Stanfield. Yes. He's, he's just fucking great all the time. Yeah, he's always good. That guy's quickly becoming an actor. If he's in a movie, I kind of want to see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Knives Out, also good in that. Yeah, just everything he's been in, he's fucking fantastic. He's in a movie coming out where he plays like a reporter interviewing somebody's daughter because the, the... The photograph, yeah. The photograph. Yeah. Yeah. I, I seriously want to see that movie. Yeah, me too. I do too. And I also like um, Issa Rae. I love her in Insecure. She's so good. Yeah, it, it, it kind of looks like it could have all the hallmarks of just a 
cheesy ass fucking romance movie. <laughs> but then at the same time, based on the people that are in it and the acting talents in it, you feel like it could actually just be something special. Yeah. And it's not like his character in this movie is that deep or anything like that, but it just fucking works. Like 100% every scene he's in benefits from how talented of an actor he is. You know, no matter what's going on, it's just so fucking good. You know, and it really yeah. is. It's that across the board. Like, I mean, I've known Adam Sandler connect for a while because like Justin said, he brought punch drunk love. Um, I know it's not a critical choice or anything like that, but I also really loved him in Spanglish. I actually did too. Yeah, he wasn't bad in that. Yeah, it's not a critical success, but I loved him in that movie. I also loved him in Rain Over Me. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. You know, I understand that there's a lot of there's a lot of problems in that movie and stuff like that, but Don Cheadle and Adam Sandler one hundred percent bring a game acting in that movie. You know, I know narratively it's a little sappy and a little cheesy and meant to kind of forcibly tug at heartstrings tying into 9-11 and stuff like that. And it didn't always handle that with the best of class. But acting wise, God, they fucking nail it in that movie. So I've known Adam Sandler can do this. I'm just really glad to see him just do it again, you know, to to really just bring something special to the screen. Because I think more so than a lot of comedians that do serious roles, I think when Adam Sandler does it, it just makes it, it, it honestly is that much more special because, I mean, to be honest, his comedic roles for a long time have not been much lately. They're kind of been movies that who gives a fuck about. And so to see him go from everything, including just the quality of his films is kind of a joke to just a guy that apparently Daniel Day-Lewis called him to congratulate him on this movie. Like, how fucking crazy is that? Wow. Daniel Day-Lewis called him. That's respect. To tell him he was on the edge of his seat, like, with his performance and stuff like that. Like, holy fuck. Wow. The man himself. The man himself. That's, that's as good as an Oscar. <laughs> and it's funny, because this is, like, two days in a row that me and Justin have brought up Daniel Day-Lewis in a podcast. But it really is. It's And I think it's 100% warranted. Like, this is... I mean, this movie in general, I think, is a master class in teaching people how to fucking act. Like, because I don't think there's a scene you can watch in this movie that just doesn't have quality acting. Every scene in this movie has just quality acting. So even if you want to show somebody the importance of bringing A-game acting to small roles, this movie shows you how impactful that can be. Because just at no point was I like... Oh, that one person's not bringing everything they have to that role. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Jastin on this one. I give it a ninety. This is ninety. Fuck Kevin Garnett and the Boston Celtics <laughs> out of a hundred. And this podcast is ninety minutes long. Look at that. Right. Right. Ninety minutes long. It won't be ninety minutes when you guys listen to it because I do ah. shorten some things. But yes, we recorded ninety minutes. Me and Jastin both gave it a ninety. Heather's a weirdo. <laughs> but anything else before we we leave this no that's it no thank you guys for listening to the cinema slayers podcast check us out at www.cinemaslayers.com check us out on facebook at cinema slayers podcast check us out on instagram and twitter at cinema underscore slayers uh if you want any merch or anything like that go to our website look in the top right hand corner you'll see a little merch box click that go to our store buy some shit why the fuck not um this is still right in the middle of all our holiday movie marathons coming your way i think it's going to be like three or four weeks straight of at least two or three podcasts a week coming out 
mainly because there's just so much there's so much fucking shit during the holidays and it's and i'm not gonna lie it's actually been pretty great so far other than cats most of the movies have been pretty good and i appreciate that like i feel like some of the times in the winter or i mean in the summer where we've had like three movie like weeks and stuff like that you might get one good one and like it's been it's been kind of the opposite lately it's been a lot of good movies and i'm pretty it, it, it kind of reinvigorates your soul at the end of the year doing this with all this other stuff. So that's really fucking fun. So just expect a lot of fucking shit coming your way from us. Um, we are going to have some different stuff coming at you uh, with the new year and stuff like that. So you're going to, you're going to see more of a mix of our movie reviews and stuff like that. And then you're going to see more. Uh, we're going to bring back doing more of the, the just topics and stuff like that. Cause we do have a lot of fun with those. It's just, been crazy doing movie reviews so we want to get back into that so let us know what you think about that stuff guys give us topics like something you would just want to hear us talk about that's a movie or tv related or something like that and i really can't stress this enough guys fuck the boston celtics and kevin garnett and remember according to justin moon knight is the best picture winner yeah Da <laughs> <laughs>